Hello and welcome to the NicheSiteTools.com podcast where we share experiences, tips, and tools to help everyone achieve a greater level of success with their online adventures. Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 58 of the NicheSiteTools.com podcast. So glad to have you here. And today's episode is going to be all about security and how to protect yourself, not only when it comes to your websites online, but also offline as well. So I'll have a lot of details for you today, a lot of actionable items, and also one really interesting thing, one plugin that I was planning to recommend that I've recommended several times in the past, I'm actually recommending you delete today. So make sure you stay tuned. I'm going to talk about uh, several free plugins that you can utilize to help with your site security and uh, also how to help yourself offline as well. So some great details for today's episode. But before we get right into the content, I wanted to quickly thank five new email subscribers and three of them left their first name. So I thank you by name, Jack, Graham, and David. Thank you guys so much for joining over these past two weeks. And if you haven't yet had a chance to subscribe, be sure to head over to nichesitetools.com forward slash subscribe. And you can put your email address in and you will instantly get my keyword brainstorming guide as well as my seven simple SEO tips guide as well. You can take those with you and refer to them anytime you need some ideas on what to write about or you need to know what to concentrate on as far as SEO goes for your individual post pages or your site overall. So hopefully you enjoy those guides and uh, you will also get new updates or emails anytime a new update comes out for the site. So that's a great way to stay in tune. I'm going to do something slightly different today and say that today's episode is brought to you by Amazon. And it's not really, it's not like they're paying me an advertising fee for this episode. However, if you do like the content that I'm putting out as far as podcast episodes and blog posts goes, I would greatly appreciate it if you would head over to nichesitetools.com forward slash Amazon before you do your next shopping online on the Amazon website. And what that'll do is that'll go through my affiliate link and then anything you purchase within a 24-hour period, I would get a commission for. And usually that's around 3%. That is at no additional cost to you. It doesn't change anything you're doing other than giving me credit for those purchases that you make. So that would go a long way for me to know that you guys are really appreciating what I'm putting out there. And it It'll help with all the costs uh, involved in putting the podcast episode out there and all that good stuff. So I would greatly appreciate that. And again, that's nichesitetools.com forward slash Amazon before you shop next time around. Thank you so much. And let's get right into the content for this week. And as I mentioned, this week's episode is going to be all about security and how to protect your websites and your on and offline presence. And this week's episode came directly as a result of listening to the Flip Lifestyle podcast from Shane and Jocelyn. And in our private mastermind group over at nichesitetools.com forward slash mastermind, I linked to the initial podcast episode that they put out about how they got hacked several weeks ago. And they have several different websites, a podcast, and they were also concerned not only only about that, but their bank accounts, financial information, and all sorts of other things. So in several podcast episodes so far, as of the time I'm recording this episode, there are currently three podcast episodes they put out on the topic. 
and they provide in as much detail as possible exactly what they think happened to give you some tips on what you can do to prevent things and uh, just basically provide as much detail as they possibly can to help other people and hopefully not run into a similar situation. So that's what I'm going to do for you today. I'm going to kind of summarize some of the things they talked about. I'm going to give you some specific tips on what you can do to protect your site. And as I mentioned at the head of the show, I'm actually going to recommend that you remove a plugin that I've recommended previously and that I was planning to recommend you use today. I'm actually going to recommend you remove that plugin in favor of another plugin. So definitely stay tuned. I'm going to have links to not only the Flip Lifestyle podcast that I mentioned, but also to any tools or plugins that I mentioned on the show today. And you'll be able to find that as my most recent post on my site for the next two weeks. Or you can also go to nichesitetools.com forward slash the number 58 for this episode. So again, uh, this was a very interesting episode from the Flip Lifestyle folks on how their site was hacked and what exactly went on. And they gave in full detail on some suggestions on ways you could potentially avoid this. A couple of very key suggestions on how to protect your WordPress site. And I'm also going to go into some additional suggestions on how you can protect your identity offline as well. So I'll kind of start from the beginning and what, how they figured out that their site was hacked was that the primary page on their website, I'm not sure if it was more than one website, had their primary page changed or not, but basically what happened was their main homepage was replaced with a terrorism-related post. So it was talking about terrorism and it had a picture of something to do with terrorism. So that was kind of an obvious, hey, something really bad has happened to our website. So they were thinking maybe something had happened at their web host, so maybe it was affecting other people. But the more they looked into it, they realized that it was only affecting them. And after contacting their web host, they were able to successfully help them navigate through that. So that, that's always going to be your first line of defense. If you're having any problems whatsoever as far as security goes or something that looks really out of place on your website, definitely get in touch with your web host and I'd recommend you call them rather than waiting for email or live chat or something along those lines. So definitely get them on the line as soon as possible to hopefully minimize any future impacts. So that's kind of what they did. They got in touch with their web host and they were trying to get to the bottom of exactly what was going on. And long story short, I'm not going to get into every, you know, you can go listen to their podcast episode. The story is great coming from them. I'm not going to do a good job repeating someone else's story verbatim. So basically what they ended up doing was reverting back to a prior backup that they had for their website. So luckily they do regularly scheduled backups, which I always recommend. You've heard it many, many times. And one plugin that works really great for that is the Updraft Plus Backup and Restore plugin. It allows you to store your backups off-site, which I also highly recommend because if your website does get compromised and your hosting account is compromised, they certainly have access to delete everything in your account. So what you'd want to do is make sure that your backups for your website are stored elsewhere. So whether that's the Amazon Cloud, whether that's something like Dropbox, just make sure that you have your backups stored. You can keep them locally if you'd like as a you know first line of defense, but make sure that you're also 
saving those backups off-site so that in the case of a catastrophic failure, you could still recover your website with a backup stored off-site. So that's one big thing I wanted to mention up front, something I always recommend that you maintain that backup and you do it on a weekly basis. So automate it so that you don't forget to do it with the free version of Updraft Plus Backup and Restore. You can do that. You can set it to do weekly backups so that you don't have to think about whether you did it. You don't have to, you know, you just 100% sure that boom, every week I'm going to have at least one backup. And if I lose data for any particular reason, I'm only going to lose that last week's worth of information. So that's so important, especially if you publish often. Basically, just think about I've had to restore my site from backup before, and I think at the time I maybe had a backup two or three weeks ago, so I had to recreate any of my posts over the two to three week period that I had done. Yeah, it's not the end of the world, but certainly if you've spent a lot of time and effort creating a blog post, let's say it's a pillar post with 2,000 words, and it really took you eight to 10 hours or something like that, you're not gonna wanna go back and recreate those, so make sure that you're taking backups as often as you're publishing. So if you do publish on a daily basis, go in there and do manual backups every day as soon as you're done with your post so that you're not having to go back and recreate things like that. So what Shane and Jocelyn ended up doing initially was restoring their website from a prior backup. And like I mentioned, I think it was a week prior or so, so they may have had to recreate a post or two. But what ended up happening was after they did that, everything was back up and running. Their site was no longer had a terrorism page. All of their content looked like normal and everything was good. But what happened next was a little bit more subtle. So their content was there, their web main websites were up and running, everything was as expected. But then they started to notice that they had Google ads on their website in certain posts. So when they would go to their website, they would see AdSense ads, and they knew that was not their doing because they don't utilize AdSense on any of their sites. So that was another red flag. So they're like, oh boy, here we go again. And they got back in contact with their web host, found out that it looked like from all the forensics that they were able to do, that someone was actually going into the individual posts inserting ads manually and doing it that way. This wasn't a bot. This wasn't like an automated thing where maybe one of the plugins was corrupted or some they were taking care of some exploit and just throwing ads in there, however they're able to do that. This looked like somebody was actually going in, manually editing posts and inserting AdSense into their individual posts and pages. So that was really interesting because normally you'd expect some sort of exploit or some somebody's injecting something into your site, but not actually, you know, not an actual human being sitting there taking the trouble to go through, log into your WordPress dashboard, edit individual posts and pages. So that was a really interesting take. And uh, unfortunately for them, at some point during this entire process, they were going on vacation. They were in Disney at the time. So most of this happened while they were on vacation. And they were in a situation where obviously if you're on vacation away from home, you're not going to have your main devices. So your main laptops, you're not going to have your office probably many of your files and all the tools you're used to where you could respond more quickly to something like this. So they were in the process of traveling to Orlando. They were going to stay a couple of nights prior to going to the park, and then they were taking their kids to the Disney parks for several days. So this all happened while they were more vulnerable. And a lot of that, they say, has to do with social media. So that was another big component of this. And one of the suggestions for from them after this was to make 
sure that people that are on your social media platforms, on a Facebook page, for instance, or your personal friends on Facebook where you're sharing information, make sure you know those people. As Shane had mentioned, if you haven't shook hands or given somebody a hug that's on your Facebook page, it's probably time to part ways with them. And that's actually a lot of the reason why me personally has not accepted. I know a couple of you folks, especially out in the Facebook group, have sent me friend requests to my personal Facebook page. And I haven't accepted that. It's nothing personal. A lot of you I've actually talked to on a one-on-one basis. So I don't actually have any major concerns with accepting those friend requests. However, as a matter of policy, I do not accept friend requests to my personal Facebook page unless I absolutely know who you are. I am close friends with you, I see you on a daily basis, or we grew up together, something along those lines. I really need to know someone to do that on my personal Facebook page. That's not to say the public Facebook page or the Niche Site Tools Mastermind. Those are separate, and I'm completely fine with that. That's just because the personal page contains more personal information. We may go out to restaurants or post things that most people, nine times out of ten, aren't going to care about unless you you happen to be in our circle of friends and you want to keep in touch, see what's going on. But the other main reason for that is definitely due to these security concerns and keeping information like that private. And that was one of the main suggestions that they have. They think that this person was definitely probably a member of their social media platform and was probably on their Facebook pages, their personal Facebook pages. So they have a feeling that they knew that they were going to be going away. And that's why deliberately they decided to do an attack at that time when they knew it would be really difficult for them to be able to, you know, counterattack or do anything to quickly and easily recover from that, being that they're out of town, away from home, out of their element, you know, basically they're a lot more vulnerable being out of town. So they think that was definitely a factor in the whole timing of that as well. And in addition to that, they mentioned that the sites that they had that were hacked, and there were multiple sites, they said that for the most part, they were all sites that they had publicly revealed on their website. So whether it was in a podcast, in a post, in a page on their website, that information was public. And it was interesting because the sites that they hadn't mentioned did not appear to be affected by this breach that they had. So that's another reason people ask whether it's better to keep your information private or put it out there. Like there's Pat Flynn, which transparency is 100%. That's what he's all about, doing his income reports, revealing his websites. But at the same time, you have to to be so much more diligent if you do that. And of course, he probably has a staff of folks and his hosts are very keen on that. So he has security, I'm sure, people that are responsible for that sort of thing. So when you're making that sort of income, you have the resources to keep things more secure, to have private servers where you're hosting things on. It's not shared hosting. So it's a, it's a lot easier to do when you're on a larger scale and you have more income coming in. But that's another reason why I don't reveal my websites in general, unless it's something where I'm trying to show you that I had a particular website, something didn't work, and that this was my website, this is my URL, and I'm just going to let it expire. But in general, I don't reveal my websites that are currently in progress for a number of reasons. Um, Copycats is one, 
and uh, negative SEO is another that could potentially happen. But this is this is a similar reason. If you're publicly revealing your websites, you have that many more avenues where somebody could try to break into your site. So let's say you have 10 different websites and you're working primarily on one most of the time. That one website, most likely, you're going to keep up to date. Hopefully, you're going to have your backups. You're going to have your plugins up to date, et cetera, et cetera. So you're going to probably pay a lot more focus on that one website. But if they know about these other websites that maybe you haven't touched in a year or so, they're probably not going to be as up to date. So those are probably the sites they're going to want to target initially. They're probably the lower hanging fruit. And if they can get into one website, chances are they can probably get into most of your websites. So that's just one thing to keep in mind. And I always remember what Mark Mason told me initially when I got started. And I had asked him about privacy and why he didn't reveal a lot of information about his websites. And what he said was, you can always err on the side of not revealing information. That's what he recommended doing up front. Because once you release that information out there, it's public, it's out there. And it's very difficult to pull back. Even if you're able to pull the information off of your website or your podcast episodes, you redo them or something along those lines, you can always go to sites like archive.org where somebody could pull up a really old version of your website and that information is probably going to be out there. So in general, I would say err on the side of caution. Certainly, if you want to reveal your website to friends or if you're in a mastermind group like ours and you want some feedback on your websites in a more closed type of environment like that certainly you want some feedback you want to get some tips and advice on how you can overcome specific problems that makes sense but just in general remember that once you release information about your websites or your online presence or anything along those lines it's out there and it's going to be really difficult to pull that back so i would say always err on the side of caution when it comes to revealing public information about yourself about your websites about anything that you do because the more information that's out there, the easier it is going to be for someone to compromise that data. So just keep that in mind. That's one general suggestion that I have. Just keep things private unless you're fully aware of the repercussions on putting that information out there. And certainly there's a time and a place for that. If you are the transparency guy and that's what you want to do, you're just going to have to understand that you're going to be a lot, you're going to need to be a lot more vigilant and you're going to need to make sure all of your websites are updated constantly. All of your plugins are up to date and you do everything that I'm going to mention a little bit here later. You just really got to be on top of your game, whereas somebody that isn't as public has a little bit more leeway, but certainly you still want to continue to follow these steps I'm going to give you in just a little bit. So back to our story, what had happened, like I said, initially there was a terrorism-related webpage on their site, so it was obvious what happened. Then the next thing that happened to them was they were seeing Google AdSense ads on their site, so they knew something was still going on. So each time they've had to do this, they've had to revert from a prior backup. And they have some membership websites on their site, so people are paying them for that membership website. And each time they need to revert to a backup, they're losing a week's worth of posts on their site. So not only were they having to go through all of this to get all of their data back, they were actually losing paid customers as a result. And they estimated that they lost several thousand dollars, not only in their own time, but people that had recently signed up were actually canceling canceling their memberships and they were losing revenue as a result of that. So this is a very real thing, a very hits the bottom line. You know, this isn't just something that's a nuisance, but this actually can affect your livelihood as well, depending on how large your website is and how much of your income that is. 
And while all of this was going on, since they were out of town, like I had mentioned, they actually went to the bank, pulled out some cash because they were really concerned that if they were going to get access to their websites, they had potentially had access to their bank accounts as well because they suspect that the person had access to their home network, had access to their computer. So just about anything you can possibly imagine was in play at that point. So they had to scramble to go to the bank, make sure they had enough cash to potentially, if they needed to get home, whereas if all of their credit cards stopped working or if they had to cancel them, they could have potentially had a problem getting home. So to all of the, not only your online concerns as far as safety and your websites go, but actual physical, you know, you if you're stuck somewhere out of town, several hundred miles away and you can't get home with your kids, imagine just how stressful that must have been for them. And they mentioned that certainly, you know, their, their children were after several days, they were concerned that somebody was hacking. Every morning they would get up and say, are we still hacked? You know, just, just imagine having to go through that. That's not something anybody wants to do. And kids at a young age certainly aren't going to really understand what hacking is. So they could potentially be thinking that they were actually going to be robbed. They could be looking, you know, having to be concerned about looking over their shoulder and things like that. As little kids, you don't want to have to have your kids go through that. So that was a very trying time for them. And it was in really good detail that they did. I think it definitely helps to tell the story and it definitely helps to hit home what's going on. So definitely give a listen to those episodes. But the bottom line was that several times they had to revert their website from backups and they had to institute other things to, once they did that, they had to put more stringent efforts in place to prevent people from getting back in. And after the third episode that I listened to, like I said, they mentioned that they believe someone had actually gotten into their home network and potentially into their hardware as far as computers go and things like that by going through their router. So security on the router, whether it was in the form of a really easy to guess password or having things more open than they should have. Some of those things they believe that somebody was able to get into their network and get access to not only their websites, but their computers and potentially anything that they would access as far as bank accounts and, uh, you know, files on their computers, all that could have been at risk. And as of listening to the third podcast, that was the last information that I heard. There may be more information that they put out there, but the bottom line is it doesn't really matter how they got in or what actually happened. I'm going to give you some steps that you can use to protect yourself and some things that they specifically suggested as well that they believe a lot of the reason that somebody got into all of their accounts and things like that had to do like I mentioned with social media they knew they were out of town but not only that things they post about all of their kids names are known maybe things that they posted on social media on their own personal pages just kind of give you an insight into your personal lives and what your passwords might be of course we all know at some point in your life you probably used one of your kids name as a password one of your pets names some variant of that and if you do that you're definitely exposing yourself to easily being able to be hacked because these hackers choose things that are, you know, first of all, they're going to go through and go through a dictionary word. So boom, they're going to immediately try to hit your website with dictionary words, common words, things like password as a password or having no password, and, you know, those obvious types of things first. But then what they had said was because of these social media links out there, 
people can post things on social media. And a lot of times these are hacker accounts and you may not even think about this. I hadn't really thought about it. But when you see posts like this with people say, hey, what's your favorite movie or name a movie that doesn't end in the letter E or you see, you've all seen posts out there and a lot of people respond to them on Facebook. What they said was after talking to their web hosts and security experts is a lot of those are hacked not hacked accounts, but people, hackers that are looking to gain personal information about you. Maybe they're going to ask what your favorite movie is, and you're going to say, oh, let's say Airplane is my favorite movie. I love comedies. That's my favorite movie. Maybe your password has something to do with Airplane. Or maybe based on some other information, they know your kids' names, and they're getting other information. They're basically fishing for information from you. And people that post to those public places those are a lot of the ways people can get that information from you. So that's why I'm also very apprehensive to post anywhere publicly. So I follow a lot of local news sites on my face on my Facebook feed, so I see a lot of news in there, and it amazes me the information that people share on a public Facebook page like your local news website. It's just it just gets under my skin the fact that these people don't realize that everybody online can see that information. Not only people that are expressing opinions that, you, you know, you're kind of like wondering why are you telling people that, you know, this is the way you are and exposing yourself out there. But aside from that, they're putting information out there that anyone can see. So if you're making comments on like a local news website or any public Facebook page, somebody can search for your name online and they can see all the comments that you make online. And certainly that could affect you as far as job interviews go, anything like that where you're under some sort of scrutiny. But not only that, hackers can definitely use that information against you to try to figure out passwords or try to find out when you're out of town or just get different clues like that to exploit you in some way. So just be aware of that when you're making comments out there online in public places or be aware of who's on your friends list. And you might want to clean that up or make things more private. And that is the main reason why I made our Facebook mastermind group private. Not only is it private, it's actually a secret group. And what that means is that if somebody clicks on your regular Facebook, um, your personal Facebook page, normally any groups that you're a member of, people are going to see that in your account so they would see what groups you're in maybe you're in your honor society or maybe you're an alumni group for your university all that sort of stuff is generally going to be seen by anybody out there who wants to see it but i made our facebook group secret so that i keep giving the link out it's not that it's secret and i don't want people to find it but the only way that somebody's going to see that you're a member of that group is if they're in that group as well so anything you're commenting on in our facebook mastermind group is definitely private of course anybody in that group would see it. So if there's any concerns, you know, you don't want to reveal your bank account or your credit card information or anything like that, obviously, or information like, hey, I'm about to go on vacation for four weeks. Here's where I live, etc. Obviously, you don't want to do that. But that's why I created the Facebook mastermind group as a secret Facebook group. It's not only private, but it will not show up in your account. So no concerns there. I just want to let you know that. But all these things that I do are for that secrecy and that privacy reason to keep your information as private as possible. Certainly you have information out there. If you're on social media in any capacity, you're going to have public information out there. And if you have websites out there, you're trying to build an audience, certainly there's a portion of you that is probably more public than most general people out there. But as long as you're cognizant of that fact and you do your best to pre- prevent that 
really public information from being out there to give somebody an easy way, you know, a quick backdoor way to get in. And like they mentioned, you know, it's all a matter of layers of security and protection, just like in real life. You know, most of us wouldn't leave our house doors wide open for somebody to just walk in and take whatever they wanted. But it is so common to hear, even these days, that people leave their cars unlocked. Some people leave their home doors unlocked. Some, you know, back in the day, I remember my cousins used to leave their keys in their car. This is the probably 20, 25 years ago, but don't do that. that. That's not the world we live in anymore. No matter where you live, don't do that. You know, put lever, layers of protection in place, obvious things like lock your doors, have like a floodlight outside your door to make sure that if somebody were to walk up to your door, they would be have a light shined on them, having a dog, having a security system, all those sorts of things. And those are some of the types of things we're going to talk about now as far as your websites go, how to provide yourself with some protection. So let's get right into those tips now. And I'm going to break down these tips into two main categories. The first one is going to be authentication. So basic passwords, accounts, concerns surrounding the actual login to your website. So that's going to be the one main category. And the second one is with your actual website software as well. So WordPress plugins and things like that. So those are the two main categories I'm going to focus on. And a lot of the tips are obvious, but there's probably things that we're not doing, you know, despite knowing the fact that you shouldn't use your pet's names, your mother's name, your family's name, anything to do with information that people can quickly and easily glean from your social media profiles or just by knowing you, don't use passwords like that. So certainly the longer the better. And that was one of the main suggestions they had. They were definitely guilty of using shorter passwords with kids' names in them or things like that, that they believe somebody was easily able to compromise. So one of the main, main, main tips, if you get nothing else from this, make sure you change your passwords and make them something that is longer. Make sure that it has something like numbers, letters, uppercase, lowercase, special characters. Try to incorporate something like that into your passwords. So certainly you can make them something that you can remember so that you don't have to hopefully write them down. You don't want them stored in a file on your computer unless you're using some sort of military-grade encryption that you need separate keys to turn and things like that. Make sure that you're using a very good, very lengthy password as long as you can possibly use them. They recommend 15 characters or longer. And certainly you can use some combination. So you could use individual letters from words so that you can easily remember them. But make sure you're using a combination of those factors and the longer the better. The longer that password is, the more time it's going to take someone to hack into it and they're really going to need some really high-powered computers to do that with some uh, really powerful programs to try to break your password. So that is definitely the biggest factor that you can do as far as preventing somebody from logging into your accounts, whether it be your bank account, whether it be your WordPress account, no matter what it is. And along those same lines, as far as WordPress goes, you would definitely want to make sure that you are changing your admin account from some from admin to something other than that. And that's something you can do when you build your website. So be aware of that. It'll ask you what you want your account to be. You can change it from admin to something else right when you set up the site. That would be the best time to do it. And that's the way I do it myself. 
but you can also do it after the fact. So you can go into your WordPress dashboard and you can change your account from admin to something else. And they mentioned that when they did that, it prompts you something along the lines of, would you like to associate all of your past posts to this new account when you go to delete your admin account afterwards? So when you do that, definitely want to say, yes, you'd like to do that because at one point when they didn't realize they didn't say yes and all of their past posts that were attributed to the admin account were deleted so so the first thing you want to do is go into your WordPress dashboard, go into users, and then create a new account, assign that account the administrator role, and then you want to delete the admin account. And when you go to delete your admin account, you want to say, yes, you would like to associate all of your past posts or whatever it mentions there in the text with your new account. That way everything will be maintained. It'll change the author over to your new account. You can still specify your name, your first name, whatever name you want to appear. So all that can stay the same. You just want to make sure that you create that new account, set it as an administrator, and then delete the old admin account. So if you only do two things today, and that's changing your password to something much longer, and then as far as WordPress goes, changing your admin account to something other than admin, you are leaps and bounds ahead of almost everybody out there. So that right there would go a long way to creating your, keeping your website more secure and preventing people from getting out. So those are two key factors there. But another one that I wanted to mention is two-factor authentication. And that was something that they mentioned also as well in their tips. And that's something that I enabled right after listening to their first episode. That's something I know about. If you utilize online banking or anything like that, your bank probably automatically makes you use two-factor authentication. If not, please drop what you're doing. Stop listening to this podcast and log into your bank's website or credit card website or anything to do with financial information. PayPal is another big one for affiliate marketers. Any account that allows you to use two-factor authentication, enable that. And typically what that means is that when you go to log into your website for your bank or whatever site is using two-factor authentication, they're going to provide some sort of mechanism for you to receive that one-time password, and that's usually in the form of a token. And all that means it's usually like a six-character password that constantly changes, so it's only good for 30 seconds, 60 seconds, something like that. So that's usually going to go to your mobile device. You may have to have some sort of separate software for that, but usually it's in the form of like a text message or some sort of way that they're going to send it to your mobile device on record so that only you or somebody that has the mobile phone in their presence is going to be able to receive that. So that's the two factor. That's a second factor. So once you enter that token in, then you can enter your normal password. So somebody that is just going out there trying to hack into your accounts, they're not going to have access to your mobile device in most cases unless you know, not only where you're broken into as far as online goes, if you're broken into physically as well and they had access to your physical wallet or something along those lines. In most cases, that's not the case. They're not going to have access to your physical information as well as your online information. So that two-factor authentication is going to go a long way to preventing people from getting into your account. So that's another huge thing that you can do. So, so far, longer passwords, change your WordPress admin account to something other than admin, and enable two-factor authentication anywhere possible. And by that, I mean Gmail accounts, uh, Dropbox, all of those have two-factor authentication, bank accounts, credit card websites, PayPal is a big one. 
any so anything that you use to log in, check on that. See if they have two-factor authentication. And like I said, I enable two-factor authentication for myself. I had it on certain things already, but I enabled that for anything I possibly could over this past two-week period based strictly on those podcast episodes I listened to. So I really appreciate them bringing that to light. And I certainly hope that this helps you to set up some safeguards when it comes to your account. So those are the three main things that I wanted to mention as far as accounts go. Longer passwords, change your admin account, and enable two-factor authentication. But also, as far as accounts go, be sure to keep things on social media, like I mentioned, as private as possible. If you have folks on your private Facebook pages, your personal page that you really don't know, I'd recommend removing those folks. And uh, that's exactly what they were doing as well. So they said if you haven't shook hands or given somebody a hug in the last month or two, it's probably time for them to go from your public, from your uh, personal Facebook page. So those are just some suggestions as far as accounts go, privacy goes, and things like that. So let's go right into the next section, which is what to do when it comes to your online presence as far as WordPress, plugins, and things of that nature. So certainly one thing you're going to want to do, like I mentioned, is keep your website backed up and make sure those website backups are off-site in the event something does happen. And this has happened to me. I've mentioned it before. It's happened several times where I've had to restore my full site from an off-site backup. And for me, it wasn't to do with hacking. It had to do with installing something or plugins or WordPress updates, something that completely broke my site and I wasn't able to easily discern what that was that caused it to break in the first place so I had to restore my full site from backup so definitely make sure that you have a backup plugin installed and that you're doing that on a regular basis enough said on that topic so now that you have your backups you want to make sure that you're keeping your plugins up to date and WordPress up to date and I mentioned before there's two main ways to do this if you're stretched for time and you want to just get it done quickly you can update all of your plugins and WordPress at once and any themes that you have but that can make it difficult to troubleshoot when there are updates that cause issues with your website. But the one way you could do it is take a full backup prior, update all your plugins, WordPress, and themes, and then if anything does go wrong, revert to that restored backup. So that's one way you could do it, or you could do it which is probably more recommended on an individual basis. So you can update your plugins one by one, check your website, poke around, try to do main things, make sure everything works, and go on to the next one. In the event one of your plugins or one of the updates does cause a problem, you could either disable that plugin, try to get in contact with the support for that particular plugin, which hopefully they have, and then resolve that issue manually for that one, or you can always disable that plugin, or you could always revert to your backup as well in that case. But at least in that case, if it's a plug-in one-by-one basis, you know the last thing that you did most likely caused the problem with your website, so it's easier to back out from that. So those are the two different ways you can do that, but you want to make sure that absolutely you are updating your plugins and things like that on a weekly basis, at worst a monthly basis. So I am guilty of this myself. I was guilty of this prior to these past two weeks, but I am now fully up to date on all of my websites. But I certainly, especially on the websites like I mentioned, if you have sites you don't work on all the time, those are sites that can certainly be more likely to be vulnerable because you're not updating them. And I certainly had some sites like that where I don't create content on a regular basis, so it's not fresh on my mind to go out there and check them and make sure they're up to date. 
So certainly you want to make sure that you're doing that and make sure you do that in the next week or so. I had a lot of plugins that are out of date or that were out of date as far as update goes. But not only that, one plugin that I was going to recommend, which this is this is the item I mentioned at the beginning of the show that I was planning to recommend that you use is called Limit Login Attempts. Don't use that plugin. If you have that plugin, I would recommend that you remove it because when I was going through and updating my plugins and I was doing research to make sure I had the right name for the plugin and stuff, I noticed that plugin has not been updated since 2012. So as of right now, it's been about three years since that plugin had any updates whatsoever or support. And I was not aware of that. So that is something that when I researched a little further, a lot of folks said that. A lot of folks noticed that. And a lot of folks said you should look for alternatives for that reason. That plugin limits login attempts and limits brute forces attack, brute force attacks to your website. And if somebody was going to go on and go out there and try to do an exploit on your website, that sounds like it would be a perfect plugin to target because it has not been updated in three years. Certainly there's been exploits and um, other security issues for WordPress and just plugins in general that needed to be patched over those three years. Certainly there's probably 20 to 30 of them, if not more. So that's something that limit tries to limit login attempts. So that's a security type of plugin. And for that not to be updated, that's a big concern. So what I recommend that you do, if you do have the limit logins attempt plugin, is you deactivate it and delete that plugin as soon as you can. And what I found was that the Jetpack plugin, which is a really popular plugin that's put out there by WordPress constantly updated, that actually has a similar feature called Jetpack Protect. And that is not enabled by default. So if you do have Jetpack installed, that plugin is that portion of the plugin is not enabled. So you're going to have to go into Jetpack, go into your settings, and then look for Jetpack Protect and enable that. And what that does is that's similar. It prevents brute force attacks from hitting your website. So if multiple attempts, multiple um, incorrect attempts come from certain IP addresses, it will block those IP addresses and and or pop up a capture box or something to make it more difficult for them to attack your website. And as soon as you enable that, uh, again, it's called Jetpack Protect, which is part of the Jetpack plugin. When you enable that, it'll tell you what your own IP address is so you can whitelist your IP so that, let's say you forgot your password. If somebody inside your house accidentally tried to enter the password a couple of times, it's not going to it's not going to prevent you from getting to your own website. So you can whitelist your own IP address. It'll tell you what that is right at the top of the screen, and then you're good to go. So that's what I recommend you use instead of limit login attempts going forward. So definitely remove that if you have it. And Jetpack is a cool plugin. It has some other um, neat features you'll probably want to check out. But Jetpack Protect, enable that to prevent brute force login attempts to your website. So the main things there are to make sure that you have a full backup, update your plugins, WordPress, and your themes as often as an update comes out because generally there's going to be some sort of security fix usually in many updates that are out there. Some might be feature enhancements and and strictly for new additional items that you can use as far as the plugin goes, but usually somebody's going to put in some sort of security fixes in there along with it. So make sure you're constantly updating your plugins, 
WordPress themes. And not only that, but go in every so often, click on the details for your plugins in your list of plugins in your WordPress dashboard, and make sure those plugins are up to date as of the last month or so it would be great. But minimally, I would say three to six months is pushing it, but certainly anything that hasn't been updated in a year, you're probably going to want to deactivate that if you can and look for alternatives. Generally, there's probably going to be a newer plugin that does something similar if something is no longer updated. Somebody's going to jump in there and create something new that has some additional features. So it will require some work on your part potentially to find some new plugins that do similar features. And if you're really relying on certain features, it may require some testing and things like that. But certainly you don't want to leave your website open to hackers by putting plugins out there that are no longer updated and have known exploits that are really easy for somebody to hack into. And to quickly summarize, change those passwords, make them Longer, make it more difficult, enable two-factor authentication where you can, change your WordPress admin account from something other than admin, update your WordPress websites, update your plugins, update your themes, and do your best to keep your private information exactly that. Keep it as private as possible. Maybe clean up your friends list on your personal profile to folks that you know, like, and trust. And following these steps will go a long way to keeping your websites and your online and offline presence as safe as possible. And one other thing I wanted to mention that can help you offline is something called Identity Theft Protection from Xander Insurance. And if you listen to Dave Ramsey, you've probably heard him mention that before. What this protection allows is something completely different that most other companies don't provide, is that this identity theft protection actually provides you with a caseworker that in the event your identity is stolen, your credit's stolen, people create an identity, maybe they get you know, IDs or passports or something, and they assume your identity, what they do is they provide you a caseworker that'll assist you 100% with the entire process, and they have a 100% success rate with their product. And it's very unique in that most of the other products just provide you some sort of protection, whether it's financial or in some other way, but it's still up to you to fix your credit. It's still up to you to fix your identity and restore things back to the way they were, which can take weeks, months, or even years. This protection is very inexpensive and they take all of that out of your hands. So certainly you're going to have to provide them some information to get them going and along the way. But they take care of most of the legwork and that's going to be the biggest hit if something like that happens to you. Having to do all the legwork to restore your identity to what it was before something like that happened would take you hours and hours every day. It would interrupt your personal life. It would interrupt your day job. It would interrupt everything you have to do for probably a Again, at least minimally weeks, but most likely months to get that resolved and potentially even longer. So I just wanted to point that out. That was something that Dave has mentioned before. And as a result of hearing this from Shane and Jocelyn, that's something I'm actually going to sign up for myself. And I'm not an affiliate. I have no relationship whatsoever. So I just wanted to point this out as a potential option for you guys. The cost is $75 per year for a single person or $145 per year for your entire family, which includes children as well. And for that, the plan includes up to a million dollars in reimbursement protection, unlimited recovery services. So if something happened to you, 
multiple times, they would cover that, and they have a 100% recovery success rate. That's the identity theft protection from Xander Insurance. And again, I will link to it in the show notes for this episode, which will be nichesitetools.com forward slash 58. And that's going to wrap it up for this episode. I hope you have a fantastic and safe upcoming two weeks, and uh, you got a lot of work to do. Get out there and do some of the steps that I mentioned, and we'll see you again in the next episode. Bye-bye now. 